Welcome to $100 Plus Mileage, your podcast for learning about New Hampshire legislation that may fly under the radar but could still have an impact on your life. That usually means each episode has us talking about something a little unexpected, and that's true with this one too. Today we're going to be discussing the penalties for driving without a license in New Hampshire. But before we get to that, I'm Anna Brown, Director of Research and Analysis for Citizens Count. And I'm Mike Dunbar, Content Editor for Citizens Count. Anna, we've all had moments in rush hour where you wonder how certain drivers manage to get their driver's license given the way they behave on the road, but actually some people do drive without a license in New Hampshire. There are a variety of reasons someone might break the law by driving without a valid driver's license. They let it expire or their family couldn't afford driver's education courses, for example. If someone drives without a license because they can't pass a safety test, however, it puts everyone on the road at risk. A 2015 law introduced stricter penalties for those who drive without a license, but now New Hampshire is considering HB 201, a bill to roll back some of those changes. Anna, you're the legislative expert on the podcast. Why don't you fill us in on this one? Okay, so this is a situation where the law was changed to be stricter in 2015 in an effort to crack down on these drivers, and this is going to roll it back. So Right now, driving without a license is a Class B misdemeanor in New Hampshire. Before 2015, it was only a violation. Okay, so this terminology comes up a lot when we talk about new laws, and it can get kind of confusing. For the average person, a violation and a misdemeanor seem like they could almost be synonymous, but they're not, right? Two very different things with different consequences. A misdemeanor is considered a criminal act, while a violation is not. Think like a speeding ticket. This year, Representative George Sykes, a Democrat from Lebanon, introduced HB 201, which changes the penalties for driving without a license back to a violation like that speeding ticket. A second conviction within 12 months would be a misdemeanor. The bill also only applies to those driving without ever getting a license or with an expired license. It wouldn't apply to revoked licenses. And a revoked license can follow a DUI or other major driving offense. So that change in 2015 definitely had a major consequence for people who drive without licenses then. Exactly. And some people feel that a misdemeanor for driving without a license, even on your first infraction, seems a little harsh. Is it though? I mean, I kind of like the idea of everyone having to have a license to drive a car. Let's get into that. Let's talk about why people support this bill, first of all. HB 201 was crafted with the input of stakeholders, including churches and the American Civil Liberties Union. They argue that the misdemeanor penalty for driving without a license unfairly impacts low-income individuals and immigrants who may face barriers to obtaining a driver's license. A misdemeanor charge has long-lasting consequences, including hurting job and rental applications. That makes it even harder for economically challenged families to escape the cycle of poverty that prevents them from getting a license in the first place. Representative Sykes reassured the Judiciary Committee during the public hearing that unlicensed drivers would still be subject to all the other penalties for other driving offenses, such as speeding, reckless driving, that sort of thing. Right, right. That's a little reassuring. I know the example came up of a 14-year-old driving a parent to the store or something like that. Not necessarily a bad driver, just an unlicensed one. But there is opposition to changing things, right? Oh, yes. There are those who oppose the bill. So Representative Jennifer Rhodes, a Republican from Winchester, testified against HB 201 at a public hearing. She argued that a driver's license serves as proof that an individual understands the rules of the road. She believes that excuses like the cost of driver's education or licenses should not be made for someone who may harm others on our roadways. She contends that renewing an expired license is a simple matter and it should be able to be done in a reasonable time. And she emphasized that New Hampshire was one of the cheaper states to drive in. I vaguely recall the 2015 law came about because of an accident in Hampton. Is that right? 
Yes. And we haven't gone into all of the details of that case here because there was a lot going on. But this whole debate started, the stricter penalties started because an unlicensed driver killed two bicyclists in a collision and in- injured some other people there too. So it's a good reminder that either way, there are definitely serious consequences here. Yeah, seriously. Well, we don't get to talk about our opinions on this show being nonpartisan and all, but that doesn't mean that you don't get to have an opinion, listeners at home. So what do you think? Does New Hampshire's current law help keep our roads safer, or is it too harsh as it stands now? The Senate will vote on this bill soon, so whatever your opinion, let senators know by contacting them. You can find out how by visiting citizenscount.org elected officials. Okay. Now that we've delved into that subject, let's lighten things up a bit with our trivia segment, Only in New Hampshire. Mike, what's on your radar? Something car-related, I hope? Yes, of course. So I wanted to find something to do with automotive history, driving, etc. for this week. Researching that brought me to the Mount Washington Auto Road, which has gotten some love on Only in New Hampshire on a past episode. Yeah, I remember that. Where we talked about the time a race car driver set a record for the fastest ascent of Mount Washington. Watch the video, made me carsick. Yes, exactly. But we haven't talked much about the road itself. Did you know the 7.6 mile Mount Washington Auto Road is America's oldest and continually operating attraction, which is interesting. I don't know how they figured that out, but I'm willing to take their word also for it. Also wouldn't have picked yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Wouldn't, wouldn't have fingered that. Would have been like, yeah, everybody wants to go up this very cold and harsh mountain. Exactly. Well, it first opened to the public in 1861 as the Mount Washington Carriage Road, makes sense, in a time when guests made the four-hour journey to the summit in a specially built horse-drawn Abbott Downing Mountain wagon. According to Mount Washington Auto Road website, work on the road began in the summer of 1854. Building the road was a huge task. The nearest source of supplies was eight miles away, and all transportation was by horse, oxen, or the backs of men. They didn't have dynamite to use, so they used black powder as the explosive, and blasting holes were drilled all by hand. No machinery to handle the countless tons of rock and gravel that had to be moved. Even in Mount Washington's bad weather, laborers worked 10 to 12 hours a day and lived in these sort of primitive shanties or tents. I'm getting like pyramids of Egypt. This is kind of crazy. It is. And the craziest part is they ran out of money halfway through and it had to stop (laughs) working, but eventually got things moving again for that grand opening in August of 1861. So the next time you see a car with the this car climbed Mount Washington bumper sticker, don't just be impressed by the car. Be impressed by the effort it took to build the road that it drove on. I don't think, am I supposed to be impressed by the car? I mean, as I say that, to be fair, I remember one time vividly recently, I was in the White Mountains with my little Hyundai Elantra. Oh, and it was struggling. It was struggling in a way that I had never really thought about how little power my car had until there's like that, the people behind you and and you just want to, maybe this is just like me and my constant state of like feeling bad about things. And it's like my New England guilt. But I was, I just kept on wanting to apologize to the people behind me being like, I'm in fourth gear. It's my little stick, like front wheel drive car. We are doing our best. Like maybe my car would deserve that sticker and be like impressed by it. But most of the time I see that sticker, I'm I'm, I'm not yeah. impressed. But I can be impressed now about the like, like I said, it does make it kind of sound more like a, a pyramids of Egypt type of ordeal to get this exactly done. yeah don't underestimate the sticker you know it's it's easy to be driving along and see the sticker and be like oh it's a car how about how hard can that be but you know it takes some engineering to make that happen 
Well, that wraps it up for this episode of $100 Plus Mileage, but you can find more information and episodes at citizenscount.org. We'd like to thank Franklin Pierce University for producing and Grand State News Collaborative for hosting. Our theme music is composed by Mike Dunbar. That's me. Lastly, we thank you for giving us a listen and thinking about how you can be part of what makes New Hampshire by the people, for the people. 